Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Nick Pollock, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, who I've not been on a podcast with in quite some time, Mr. Matt Filipovitz. Matt, how you doing? Nick, some inside baseball for the listeners. This is our third attempt to record this <laughs> intro. Uh, I have lit a candle. Uh, the scent is snowball cookies, and I'm hoping that that brings us good vibes uh, and allows mm. us to actually get relatively far in this recording. But I'm good overall. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm where I put on the the flannel jacket today to you know up the the Pennsylvania vibes in the household. Um, so you know, hopefully that means good things for some upcoming decisions coming Penn State's way in the next few days. But you know, I have we an have extremely a lot. Pennsylvania sweatshirt on right now, Nick. I'm gonna rise it up so our YouTube viewers can see. But this is an extremely Pennsylvania sweatshirt. You know, that's... it is it. It is Penn State as the stars on the American flag, like the the chipmunk logo, um, and it says uh, <laughs> Penn State Nation, uh, Nittany Lions USA uh, on it. So I'm very very festive for both Penn State and for the United States in the World Cup. I mean, what where, where did you acquire such a sweatshirt? Uh, at the Salvation Armley in Whitehall, Pennsylvania. Because of course, where else would it be? Um, but you know, Matt, we I th- we need to we need to jump into it here because we have a lot to talk about tonight, um, which is kind of shocking considering the time of year because this is kind of like the dead zone, right? Like as we wait for bowl game announcements, the conference championship games are this weekend, and Penn State obviously is not playing in that. Um, but this is going to be a really busy off season for a lot of reasons, and we'll talk a little bit more about why it's going to be so busy in the transfer portal in just a little bit. But first. Um, in the last podcast, Bill and Matt discussed the uh, decision by left tackle Olu, Olu Fushanu to return to Penn State for one more season, at least in 2023. Um, the other day, though, Penn State got the news that Joey Porter Jr., starting cornerback, will be heading to the NFL after or now. He's going to skip the bowl game as well. Um, not necessarily a, dis- a uh, surprise decision, but you know, still, it's it's it'd be cool if he came back, but it's cooler to see him go because he's going to be absolutely going to be a first round draft pick. He's been an absolute star in happy Valley and it's just been really fun to watch him go from, Oh yeah, it's that NFL players kid to, wow, he's actually really good in his own right. And obviously a completely different player and, you know, very ready and about to start carving out his own NFL legacy. Um, this past season, 11 passes defended third in the big 10. Of course, teammate Kalen King was first in the big 10. Um, but teams just really didn't throw a Joey Porter jr. After week one, Purdue and Aiden O'Connell oddly felt it necessary to continue targeting his side of the field, and it didn't go all that great for him. Um, so it's it was it was really fun and cool to see him just completely erase a half of the field. Penn State hasn't really had a guy to erase opposing receivers quite to the degree that Porter did, especially this past season. So um, it's going to be a bummer not having him, but couldn't be happier for him and what he has ahead of him. Uh, what are your thoughts on him leaving, Matt? Yeah, he's going to be the first first round corner in Penn State history. He's going to be the highest drafted defensive back in Penn State history. And that's a big deal. Terry Smith did a great job with this guy. I remember when I first found out he was going to play corner and not safety. I thought this was the route we've seen a lot of guys take where they start at corner, get those ball skills down and then move back to safety. Like I really thought Joey Porter Jr. was going to be Marcus Allen with better ball skills. Like he's similar build. He's got similar length. I really thought that's what we were heading towards. And for Porter to go out there and become pretty much the perfect modern corner, great length, great athleticism, really good ball skills. 
he got a lot of the penalties out of his system. Uh, granted, he didn't get the ball thrown his way a ton because of how dominant he was, just basically blanketing receivers with that long wingspan. And he's just, I think, going to be really important for the next step for Penn State. They needed to get a guy at a non-traditionally strong position at Penn State, drafted highly, and that's exactly what Porter's going to be. So really excited for the kid. Glad he got in and out in four years, you know, really hope he goes to a really good situation because he can be the kind of guy who can elevate a defense from day one. So just really happy for everybody involved. And the depth that's sticking around with him gone is still going great. So both parties just really benefit from this happening when it is. And just really excited for Porter and, and excited for the program to finally have, have that elite level secondary player um, to go in the NFL draft. Yeah, like you said, he he didn't get the ball thrown a lot his way after week one. But even when he did get the ball thrown his way, like like you said, like the penalties were not nearly nearly as much of an issue this year because I, he he's just gotten so good with finding the football and using his hands um, in a way to just affect the football and not so much the receiver. Which if you can do that at the size that he is. And, you know, obviously be able to run with essentially anybody he's up against. Like that is a fierce, fierce combination. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, like that's that that is the formula that made Richard Sherman so good in the NFL for so long. I'm not saying Joey Porter Jr. is Richard Sherman. That's a that's a high bar. But um, like that's the style he plays with. That's the game he plays. So um, really, really excited to see him play in the league. I think he's going to be a star for a long time. Yeah, really, really happy for him and, and really happy for Terry Smith, especially. Yeah. And it, you know, it's funny that Penn State has never had that first round cornerback. This might be the first of two straight years they have a first round cornerback because Kalen King sure looks like he, yeah. I mean, Kalen King might be better, honestly. Kalen King's a better cornerback. I think Joey Porter Jr. is a better football player, if that makes any sense. Yes. I also, Joey Porter Jr. is a better NFL prospect because of his yes. size, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. But regardless, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Kalen King, and I would not at all be surprised to see him pull a Joey Porter Jr. next year and erase his side of the field. But um, congratulations, Joey Porter Jr. and Joey Porter Jr.'s family. Um, Really exciting for them. Let's talk about the other side of player movement, um, the transfer portal. Now, obviously, this has been building for a couple years, but the transfer portal feels like it's about to hit its uh, initial crescendo at least since the rules changed and Good uh, players were able player, players were are now able to leave whenever they want. This is now 2 years removed from the uh, recruiting class the I guess it's the 2020 or the 2021 recruiting class the kids that were seniors in 2020 that most of them didn't get to play their senior seasons of high school because of covid. That was kind of a blind recruiting period for everyone involved. Schools had to, you know, they were working off of um, numbers and measurements from the year prior. They were working off really limited tape here and there. They, like Schools couldn't have camps. They couldn't see kids in person, all that stuff. A lot of college football analysts have been talking about this offseason as being what is as projected to be an absolutely crazy time as far as the transfer portal is concerned. Because now with two years under their belts at these schools, kids and teams and coaches alike all have a much better sense of, is this the right place for me? Is this school, you know, am I, am I going to play here? Is it worth me staying? Or, you know, do I need to be moving up? Do I need to be getting playing time at a power five? If I'm someone at a G5 school instead, there's going to be a ton of portal movement this off season. And 
we will talk about you know all of that with Penn State. We have plenty of time to talk about that in the coming coming weeks um, and months, really. Um, so we will get to you know as those names continue to emerge, we'll talk about them. But today we're going to talk about two guys in particular um, already you know notable for Penn State. And the first one is a quarterback Christian Veyer, who decided to enter the portal uh, just a couple days ago. Um, in his two years at Penn State, Veyer started five games uh, overall a stat line, twenty three of thirty five passing for two hundred eighty two yards, three touchdowns, no picks. But for me, Matt, when I look at Christian Veyer, one, I think he's a really talented kid, and I think he's going to find success uh, wherever he ends up. I saw something speculated, um, someone speculate that he could go to Kentucky and just follow Will Levis's footsteps. I, that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but for me, when I think of uh, Christian Veyer, there's a really fascinating um, alternate timeline that exists where he doesn't have a senior season of football canceled, and he comes into Penn State much more experienced and ready to contribute right away. And that he's the one who has his name called in Iowa city after Sean Clifford goes out with an injury and he is able to, you know, successfully pilot the any lines over the finish line. Um, and if he's able to do that, you know, in this alternate timeline, maybe the coaching staff doesn't feel the need to rush Sean Clifford back on the field. And all of a sudden, maybe you beat Illinois without an injured Sean Clifford. I, it was more probably the weather that played a factor in that than anything, but um, like there, there's a fascinating alternate timeline there. Obviously it didn't come true and uh, wish Vayer all the best no, no matter where he ends up, but it's, it's kind of interesting to think about in that regard. Yeah. Vayer, I think it's fair to say outplayed his recruiting rankings. Like this is a dude who was mm-hmm. a middle of the road. I, I bet prospect. he would have risen too, if he had played that senior season. Oh yeah. His, just his, his, intangibles like he's he's got the size he's got the arm strength like he was playing in Canada and came down to play big boy ball down in Maryland and never got the chance really to show what he could do um you know on a on a large scale like he played a little bit but it wasn't enough for people to really see what he is and I think he's a guy Mm -hmm. who is going to go on to be a multi-year starter at a power five program um you know the Kentucky thing would be interesting he is you know French Canadian so I think if he goes somewhere like, I don't know, Syracuse, Pitt, Boston College, um, you know, Rutgers, I think he would be a guy who can really elevate a lot of those programs. And, you know, that that's really all you could ask for out of a guy in the COVID class who didn't play football for an entire year to have enough talent to where you could probably start at this program if, you know, the number one quarterback in the country wasn't, you know, right on your heels or at, in the case of Aller surpassed you. So, you know, Veyer is a guy who I think is going to be very successful um, at the college level. And who knows what will happen in a couple of years, you know, when the NFL could come calling. Uh, but he's, you know, like our friend Tommy Stevens we had on the podcast. I think he's at least a professional uh, at the Canadian level one day. So he's a guy who's going to make a lot of money playing football. And, you know, I, I'm bummed it's not at Penn State. I get why it's not at Penn State. And I'm excited to watch wherever he goes next. I think he's going to be a guy who will who will start somewhere next year. Yeah, as far as, you know, Penn State quarterback depth without Christian Vare in the picture, um, next year, obviously, we're looking at Drew Aller as the starter in all likelihood. Bo Prabula, who has, you know, continued to get rave reviews from uh, everyone yeah. that we've heard from at practice, heard from the staff secondhand. Uh, it, it really sounds like they do love Prabula. And I, I think if... Um, if the immense talent of Drew Aller wasn't in the picture, I think Prabula would have a 
obviously have a really easy inside track on the starting job, but um, he doesn't seem like he's, you know, he could be a transfer portal candidate in the future. If Aller takes off the way we hope and expect him to, but um, he'll definitely be around for next year. And then of course they're bringing in Jackson Smolik. Um, he'll be coming in as well. And, you know, I, we heard from Ryan Snyder when he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago about how impressed he's been with Smolik's game. I know Smolik just got named the uh, all Iowa, whatever they call it. I assume they call it all Iowa high school, whatever it is, but the uh, all Iowa high school quarterback nod, uh, which is pretty great. And I know that he is somebody who, you know, I, I think it sounds like um, Snyder and the other recruiting guys think that he's probably fairly ranked where he is now, but they're also really impressed with that, what they've seen from him. So um, obviously we, you hope to not have to use him next year, but um, he'll he'll be in the room as well, and then you know Penn State will continue to recruit quarterbacks beyond that. But and Smolik will be in for spring, which is big. Yeah, like you said, like it it'd be great to still have Bayer around next year just for depth purposes and experience purposes. But you know, you can't fault a kid for wanting to go somewhere else where he can get a better shot at playing time. So we wish him all the best. It's going to be fun to watch him wherever he ends up. On the other side of transfer portal news, we got the announcement or the declaration whatever you want to call it that uh oregon receiver dante thornton will be entering the port i don't know if he's officially done it yet or he's expected to you, whatever you can't whatever enter until but... december 5th unless you're a graduate like that's how that's Kate mcnamara right. could like announce he's going to iowa tonight already because he's a graduate um so undergrad players that's right. have to wait until the fifth yeah so uh thornton not officially in the portal yet but uh his intentions have been made clear and he will be entering the transfer portal now if his name sounds familiar to any of you out there that's because dante thornton was once a penn state commit um, originally committed to penn state on february 2nd 2019 eventually decommitted on august 1st and ended up going to oregon he grew up in maryland he went to mount st joseph high school in baltimore i believe is where it is um and you know oregon was as all through his recruitment uh there were constant mentions about how oregon was his dream school growing up um they were always kind of on the radar in, as a threat to Penn State, even after he committed. And then obviously, of course, did end up flipping to Oregon. He didn't flip right away. He decommitted from Penn State, continued with his recruitment. Penn State was still in until the end, but he did end up choosing Oregon. Um, but he's a really interesting name for Penn State because, Matt, one of the things that we talk about pretty frequently as far as this uh, Penn State receiving core goes is the lack of a true like X type receiver. And when we say X type receiver, we mean like, you know, big body, like Allen Robinson type or um, like, I mean, it's a lofty comparison. Obviously, I'm not saying not at all saying that Dante Thornton is Calvin Johnson, but like that body type, just that big dude on the outside that you can trust in one on one jump ball battles, that kind of thing. So it's you know, I think this is a great opportunity for Penn State to add a body like that to this room, especially with Malik Mega, you know, not quite panning out the way they were hoping to. And uh, he's another transfer portal candidate as well, I would assume. Yeah, it's hard for Penn State to judge what they need at receiver because the elephant in the room is Parker Washington's decision. And I think it's very fair to say that Penn State is going to be a run first team in 2023. Uh, and they're going to get the tight ends heavily involved. So how much do you really need an extra body at receiver is really going to depend to me on Parker Washington, no matter what you're taking Dante Thornton, if he wants to come here. And I think your biggest competition is probably Arizona state where his offensive coordinator coordinator at Oregon is now the head coach. But in terms of, if I think they really need a guy like that, 
I think it all depends on what Parker Washington does. And listen, it's that time of the year. Like we could finish recording and this could all be, you know, useless, you know, data points because Parker is either picked one way or another. But as of right now, I don't think he is the biggest priority in the transfer portal for Penn State because I don't think receiver is the biggest priority for Penn State just yet. And again, that'll change completely if Parker Washington goes. Um, but he's definitely a guy you want on your roster if that opportunity does present itself. It's interesting. I, th- I think that's pretty interesting for you to say that, Matt, because for me, I-, I think that receiver is absolutely a priority in the portal, regardless of Parker Washington's decisions. Because I think we saw this past year, like if you watch this past year's offense, I think it's pretty evident that they, like if they had had a, you know, someone the size of Thornton, and according to Oregon right now, Dante Thornton standing at 6'5", 199. To me, if like if if I imagine a body like that who can go up and get the football on Penn State's offense on the outside, I think that opens up a lot for Washington and Tinsley and other guys over the middle of the field. Like I, I think that would make a big difference. And I think as you're going forward, you know, if everything goes to plan, you're only going to have Drew Aller for two seasons. And I think right. you need to, you know, you need to uh, get as much high end talent at the receiver position in there immediately as you can for that reason. So to me, I, I think adding a big time receiver is actually for me, it's, it might be priority number one in the portal. I, I, I get that, but you know, you, you made the point that you need the big play guy on the outside. The tight ends were that like, if you think about how many sure. times Penn state ran out of the stack, it was Theo Johnson. If you think about in the most recent game, uh, Clifford's fade to the corner in one-on-one coverage to a big body guy. It was Tyler Warren, a tight end. Like, I don't think they need this type of receiver that desperately with the kind of offense they're going to run it is my overall point. Like, again, I still think if the opportunity is there and if Thornton wants to come to Penn state, you take a guy like Dante Thornton, but I think a defensive tackle is going to be way more important in the transfer portal uh, than an X receiver who is probably going to be like on any given play, like the third option, just because I think they're going to be that run heavy and, and, and that much involvement will be, you know, taken up by the tight ends next year. My rebuttal to that would be, wouldn't, don't you think the offense though, those, all those same plays you just talked about all the same ways they use the tight end. Couldn't they just do that with a big receiver who is way faster than like Theo Johnson can move, but way faster than any of those tight ends as well it's it's i i I think it adds you know i think it helps take your offense from hopefully great to hopefully elite personally but um i see i see where you're coming from though we've never seen it work at penn state which is my concern like justin shorter was supposed to be that guy it never happened daniel george was a four-star guy who they were hoping were to be that guy it never happened like this just hasn't worked at penn state and i just can't imagine it would yet and like and again i think the tight ends are going to be so heavily involved because there's so much talent there and on those shorter teams on the daniel george teams like when that was maybe a possibility of him becoming that like the tight end depth wasn't what it is now so that that's the only difference that's my rebuttal to your rebuttal in a sense i i I would say i think shorter could have been that guy um that that didn't work out for um yeah but different reasons we don't need to get into here but yeah um I mean, I, I, I suppose that's fair, but, um, you know, the, like the way he wasn't as big as those guys, but Chris Godwin, you know, played big, like he, mm-hmm. he played that role, even though he wasn't that size. Um, yep. so I don't think it's necessarily, necessarily fair to say it's never worked because that's what they used Godwin for. And that's I think fair. Godwin, 
um, was more suited to be able to do that than say like Parker Washington is. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. You know, and then obviously go back a little further, different offense, but Al, obviously Allen Robinson was a mm-hmm. totally different animal in that role, but that's, yeah. that's an unfair comparison because that's outside of the Franklin era. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's obviously, I, I know Matt, you mentioned a second ago, uh, other possible suitors for Thornton, but um, obviously Penn State is in this discussion. One proximity home is from Baltimore, like we said, but also, you know, he was committed to Penn State. He understands Penn State. He knows the coaches, um, slightly different coaching staff from when he was being recruited, but still he knows, he knows the main core guys. He clearly can see, you know, like I think Penn State's a really attractive destination for transfers right now. One, because they've now proven that they can put transfers in position to succeed, whether you look at, um, Arnold Abacady, or you look at Derek Tangelo or yeah, Mitchell Tinsley, or even look at Jordan Stout. Like they got a punter yeah. drafted. Like that's, yeah. that's a, that's a big deal. So, you know, I, 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 you know, you look at Penn state, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of brain power to see the position they're in. They are, you know, they are going to be in a new year's six bowl this year. We'll talk about which one a little bit later on. Um, but they are really well set up for the future. The roster is so young. It's, it's going to be an attractive spot. And I think the staff is going to, yeah, as, as, as long as the NIL stuff is able to be you know, worked out to compete with other schools in that regard, I think the staff is going to have a pretty good pick of who they want in the portal. Yeah, I would agree. And Penn State can afford to be picky, which is another very right. big luxury that we haven't seen a lot of uh, programs like Penn State have the have the chance to be. Yeah. Um, the only other thing player personnel wise, before we get into some other topics here, uh, one, you know, right now it is, uh, uh, eight local time on the East coast right now. Penn state is, uh, looking to potentially get a commitment from, um, cornerback four-star cornerback, Daniel Harris tonight. Um, from what I can tell, it has not happened yet. Could very well happen while we continue to record this podcast. Yeah. Um, but Daniel Harris, former Georgia commit, decommitted, uh, I think about a month ago at this point. But um, he is somebody that Penn State is very high on. He is the number 155 player overall and the number 21 cornerback on the on three composite rankings. On three themselves has him ranked a bit higher. He's number 42 overall, the number six cornerback. Um, if Penn State is able to land him, which it does seem like they are the favorites to do right now, he would become their highest rated defensive back in the class, which is saying quite a bit because this is an unbelievably talented defensive back class for Penn State. To your point earlier, Matt, about you know what Joey Porter Jr.'s ascension does for the program profile. Like this secondary has been on the rise for multiple years now. And now it's gotten to the point where there is just talented dude after talented dude after talented dude stacked in this room. And it is yep. awesome to see. And her- what you have it up right now is Harris's height. Is it six two? Am I remembering that correctly? Mm, I wrote down notes like an eighty year old, so I can pull it up while you talk. Though, I, I think he's another bigger bodied guy. And and again, Penn State has had success. Amani over Warrior. They got him drafted at six two one seventy five. Look at me. Look at the memory on this guy. Um, so he's a bigger body, and and that's what Penn State has clearly liked out of their corners. Um, or at least having one corner of at least over six one. Like I think Christian Campbell was about that height. Amani was about that height. Mm-hmm. Joey Porter Jr. is a big guy. So there's a track record of, and all three of those guys I just named all drafted into the NFL. So there's a track record here for guys of a similar body type. And, and that's what I think makes it so attractive. Um, also, shout out to Jaywan Sider for going back into Florida and getting a guy to come up to Pennsylvania. Potentially, we still, again, nothing's official yet. It does sound like it'll happen yet tonight. Um, and if it doesn't, you know, who knows? Maybe tomorrow, by the time we're listening to this, it'll happen already. Uh, but that, that'll be a big get. And for Penn State, you can never have too many bodies. 
uh, especially at a position like that where they have had misses with lower three stars over the years. So anytime you can stack blue chips in that room, it, it's only going to help you out. Yeah. You know, especially as we were just talking about the portal, you know, Penn State has like it has a really talented defensive back room, but that does mean that there are going to be dudes in there that want more playing time than they're getting. So it'd be foolish to not assume that there could be at least one or two transfers out of that room, whether at corner or safety this offseason. So definitely important to continue to stack talent in that regard. Matt, let's talk about home field because it's holiday shopping time. Yeah, have you have you bought any home field items for anyone on your list this year? Um, my mom really likes the Take Me to Happy Valley crew neck that I have. Um, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm probably going to get her the T-shirt version of that um, and surprise her with that. So that's the big one right now. I'm debating what I want to do um, for my dad. My dad, I think as listeners know, coached high school ball in Eastern PA for a long time. Basketball, I mean. Um, and there's a lot of like really absurd uh, old school basketball logos for a bunch of different schools. So I'm going to think about, um, you know, where I know he's been to like a camp at or where he's had a player recruited to. Uh, and I'll probably do something along those lines. That's a good idea. I, my parents sometimes listen to this podcast, so I won't give anything away here, but uh, needless to say, if you need any <laughs> ideas for your uh, loved ones, friends, family, whoever, for uh, Christmas gifts, holiday gifts, Hanukkah gifts, whatever it may be this year, uh, Homefield is a great place to look for that. Uh, you know, you if, if you're listening to this now, unfortunately, you did miss out on the Black Friday and Cyber Monday uh, deals. But luckily for you, if it's your first time ordering from Homefield Apparel, you can still use our Roar Lines Roar code. If you can type in Roar Lines Roar, all caps, all one word at checkout, you can still get 15% off of your first order through Homefield. Now, they've got all the great stuff you need. They've got T-shirts, crew necks, uh, long sleeve shirts, sweatshirts, all that stuff, tank tops in some cases, depending on where you look, what school you're looking at. But um, what, whether you're looking at Penn State gear or any other school, you know Homefield's got the best stuff. They do the research. They find those niche, unique designs to find the stuff that will really resonate with you and resonate with your love of your school and make you proud to wear what you're wearing. Um, and of course, you know they're made on the best quality shirts. None of that 100% cotton stuff got that that nice mix of polyester just a little bit of cotton you know that good stuff the, those t-shirts you love to wear um so if you need anything to spruce up your holiday shopping this year go ahead and visit homefield apparel use the code roar lines roar all one word all caps at checkout for 15 percent off of your first order and be the true star of the gift giving season in your home this december nice that was pretty good yeah that good was read good. well like done that. yeah yeah there, there have Proud been times when I've wrote when I when I've written down a read, and it's it usually sounds better. But that was off the cuff. I, I was wow. happy with that one. I'm proud um, of you. Speaking of things, we're happy to hear about Matt. Wow, you're on a roll today. What a transition, what? too. <laughs> Nick, we're gonna have to call you into the week office to get you tested for performance enhancers. This is, <laughs> this is an unprecedented run. One of the big topics of conversation the past. Uh, uh, three or four days or so pretty much once, once Ohio State yeah once Ohio State fans were done um, freaking out about the loss to Michigan and then the brief freak out about Brian Hartline mixed in here too um, it has become very clear over the last you know yeah 36 48 72 hours whatever it may be um, that Ohio State is not interested in playing in the Rose Bowl this year they have we've heard from multiple sources now that they have uh, formally asked the Rose Bowl um, not to invite them or that they would not accept whatever the final verbiage would be. And that puts Penn state right in line to be the big 10 representative at the Rose bowl this year. 
which is something that previously seemed like it had only been possible was going to be possible if both Michigan and Ohio State were in the playoff, which also still absolutely could happen depending on the results of the TCU and USC games um, this weekend. But it seems like it is pretty much a done deal that Penn State is going to be in the Rose Bowl unless Purdue is able to defeat Michigan in the Big Ten Championship, which feels unlikely. Sorry, my wife just came in the room and is opening closet doors. That's the, that's the noise you may hear in the background. Um, but yeah, barring a Purdue upset win, which probably unlikely, but who knows? Purdue does well against those top three teams, especially number twos. Um, but it, it, honestly, and even then, the Rose Bowl committee could still pick Penn State if they want to. Like it, it's still a decision, it's just given the disparity in where those two teams are kind of lined up right now. Um, but it's you know it's pretty exciting if you're a Penn State fan right now, knowing that the Rose Bowl is the likely destination after what has turned out to be a great season. In all in all honesty, yeah, the Rose Bowl against Washington. I think we're all kind of leaning towards it. This is assuming, uh, of course, USC beats Utah in the Pac-12 title game and. What a fitting yeah. end to Sean Clifford's career, his uh, final game as a true freshman. So he wasn't the starter or anything like that, but it was the um, Fiesta Bowl against Washington. Uh, and it could mm-hmm. come full circle now, six years later, with his final game being one he starts uh, in the Rose Bowl against the Washington Huskies. Um, I just think that'd be really neat. Uh, the Rose Bowl is, of course, the the thing you dream about if you're not going of to the playoff. Yeah, you want to go to the Rose Bowl, uh, and it would be really cool to see after everything this group of seniors has been through, COVID, bad years, um, you know, just uh, real highs and lows of the sport to go out with a trip to the Rose Bowl to play uh, in one of the most prestigious games in college football would just be really cool. And I don't love playing Washington because it feels like we just played them. I know I just said it was over half a decade ago at this point, but still it feels pretty recent. Um, I would have loved to have played Utah, but I mean, beggars can't be choosers and it'll be a, it'll be a blast. I would have a great time watching Penn State uh, compete in the Rose Bowl. And to be clear, like if, if Utah does beat USC, then, you know, the Penn State Utah matchup could very well happen because at that point, Utah will be the Pac-12 champ and they won't be in the playoff. Yep. So they yeah, will be the true. team in the Rose Bowl. So very much still a possibility. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I love that you mentioned, I hadn't even thought about that, that the final game of his true freshman of Clifford's true freshman campaign was that Fiesta Bowl that hadn't even clicked with me. Um, yeah, that that's pretty interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun, you know, things to pick apart in a Penn State Washington mm-hmm. matchup here. First, selfishly for me, that that would really excite me living in Seattle and knowing a bunch of uh, Husky fans. That'd be a lot of fun. But, you know, Michael Penix is Washington's quarterback right now. And, you know, the last time that Penn State faced off against him, it, uh, <clears throat> that's I, yeah that's kind of slipped my mind i'm not really sure what happened in that game let's no, i don't know i think that was that's a blank that's a blank for me yeah. oh yeah yeah you're right it was it was definitely canceled definitely didn't happen you're yeah. right no, um <laughs> but you know that that would be fun to see him for a i think it would only be the third time they'd be playing against Penix because i believe he was injured one yeah. of the years when they played um yes but that'd be fun and you know Washington is a with with Penix there. They've been, you know, and Kalen DeBoer is their head coach, uh, obviously a former offense corner at Indiana. So Penn State's seen him before, but they're a really high flying passing offense. Like that's how they beat teams. They beat teams through the air and throwing the football is really all they can do. They get they don't have a great defense. They don't really run the ball, but they can throw the hell out of the ball. So that'd be really fun to see Penn State secondary without Joey Porter Jr. Obviously, he's opted out of the bowl game, but you know. 
it'd be really fun to see Penn State's secondary with Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, all those guys go up against Penix in that passing attack that has been really impressive this year. Um, and, you know, another fun parallel to the 2017 Fiesta Bowl, you know, in that game, Penn State threw probably the, that was probably the height of the Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders duo because Saquon was on his way out. Sanders had been there for a year at that point, I believe. So they two both years. had, you know, yeah, two years. They both had enough, like Sanders had enough experience at that point. They were, that was probably the best they were. That was the best they were both playing while they were at Penn State at the same time. So that's a fun parallel when you look at Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Like, there's a lot of fun, a fun, a lot of fun things about that matchup. Um, the most fun though being that it would be taking place at the Rose Bowl, which I that that would be a lot of fun to see happen again, and it would mean a lot for Penn Have State. Have you ever like, been? I no, and I I think I would be able to make the trip down this year if if that did happen, if it does happen the way we assume it will. Um, yeah. you know, and and I get why I get why Ohio State doesn't want to go. They were just there last year. Um, obviously they had playoff ambitions this year didn't go their way lost in the last week and you know for them for them they'll call that embarrassing fashion to lose to michigan especially to lose to michigan two years in a row but really when you were just there and like i think it's three of the the last five rose bowls have had had ohio state in it i think it's three of the last five which is a lot and if you're the rose bowl like do you really want a lethargic Ohio State who's treating it as a consolation game like is that really the team you want there or do you want the team that you know can't is coming off of two really tough seasons is now you know very much ascending back up to the elite level of college football whose fans are going to travel of course incredibly well as they always do like it it feels like a no-brainer for the Rose Bowl um, and it's just really exciting for the team the players and the fans like this is exciting for the fans too for sure yeah it'd be it'd be really cool to watch I probably won't be able to make it um, which is a major bummer because I would have loved to have go to I would have loved to have seen the Rose Bowl. Um, I've been to UCLA's campus, but I've never been to the actual Rose Bowl Stadium, which I know is pretty far away from campus. Mm-hmm. So, a bit bummed about that, but still, it'll be it'll be beautiful to watch on TV. Yeah, and you know, especially relevant because after this year, you know, next year the Rose Bowl will be one of the uh, college football playoff games, and then after that. We are entering into a whole new world, Matt, because the 12-team college football playoff has now officially been accepted, written, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, starting in the 2024 college football season. The Rose Bowl will become one of the uh, quarterfinal games, I believe it is. Um, yep. So it's gonna, just going to be a tad different at that point. Um, still will be a really cool setting, obviously. It's always a really cool setting, but... Uh, it's not going to be quite the same as it was now. And mm, my friend Matt and I here have, you know, we, this is going to be the most insane discussion we've ever had. We, we have, we have some disagreements on the, uh, the merits and the inherent goodness and badness of the expand now expanded 12 team playoff. Um, I am very much on the side that this is, you know, one good for fans, two good for college football, good for the health of college football. I'll explain why in just a little bit here, but um, really, in in all facets, you'll have a hard time making me believe that this is not a good thing, Matt. I know you have been, you know, pretty staunchly on the I want it to stay four teams train for quite a while now. Um, so we're going to take this time just to you know have a, have a little fun debate about the the two sides of this argument here. So um, Matt, I'll, I'll let you kick it off here. Why is it that you think the playoffs should stay at four? 
Okay. Uh, let me walk this out in real time. I, I like four. If the playoff has to expand, and I get that it has to expand eventually, I think eight is the way to go. I think 12 is too many teams for the college football playoff. The thing I love about college football is that every game in the regular season matters. The playoff doesn't matter to me personally that much because I view the entire regular season as a playoff game. If you want to go to the playoffs, you know, it formally go to the playoffs, don't lose. I get it. Like I get that's a lot to ask, but the playoff should be reserved for the elite of the elite. And it's going to make me nuts that unless Penn State makes it next year, Penn State is going to be known as a program that was not able to do it when making the playoff was the hardest thing to do in football. And Michigan did it. Ohio State did it. All of these teams that we want Penn State to catch so badly can hang their hat on that. And the only way Penn State could get into the playoff is via the expansion. And I don't know why that makes me so angry. Like, I never really get mad at college football, but the idea that like Penn State is always going to be second tier in that regard, unless they make it next year, just drives me insane. Like 12 teams is so many teams. Like if you lose what nine and three, let me see how quick math I can do. All right. So you played 12 games. You lost three. I guess that's a quarter of your games. If you lose 25% of your games, you don't, you don't deserve to go to the playoff. You only play 12. If you can't win 11 of those 12, you don't deserve to go like and listen, I'm just a guy who used to work for our website, which is now a podcast, yelling into a microphone. But I'm going to get you a shirt that says that. It's it's loser energy. Like, it's loser energy for Penn State to be like, I want Penn State to make the playoff. Therefore, the playoff expanding is good because Penn State couldn't do it while it was the hardest thing to do. Like, that's just loser energy to me. I'm sorry. Like, I'm very fine with the playoff expanding to eight. Make it the five power five champions, the top team from the group of five and two wild cards. Like make it so it's got to be extremely hard, like 10 and two. I'm fine with that being a playoff caliber season. But the idea that you could go nine and three and be given a playoff spot, I think is just ridiculous. Like it makes the regular season not matter as much to me. And like, I get, I, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tirade here, Nick. I know, I know. No, no, I no, no you keep going. Seed time to you, but like, I get games only matter as much as you make them mean, but you know why it's so funny to laugh at Ohio state this week, because they probably will not be able to go to the playoff and they lost to Michigan. Like if they just lost to Michigan and Oh, they're going to be the eight seed. That's not nearly as funny to me. Like the fact that Ohio state now has to say we're too good for the Rose bowl because they weren't one of the top four teams is objectively hysterical that, entire state is going through a like identity crisis right now people are questioning whether to fire ryan day and it's the insane passion of the sport that makes it so beautiful that i think will be diminished if you just say oh ohio state you you lost to your biggest rival um okay instead of that derailing your season instead you now have to go play at clemson in a playoff environment instead of your season now means absolutely nothing to you in a lot of in a lot of ways so that's my two cents. I'm, I get why it's expanding. I'm still going to be really into it when it happens, but it just feels like loser energy to me. I, I don't know. Okay. So I'll try to respond to all those points. So one, sorry, that on was the a case lot. of, no, 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 it's fine. On the case of, um, you would prefer eight over 12. Sure. Like, uh, I'm, I'm willing to, cons- I, I have no, I would have no issues with going to eight instead of 12. Um, the only reason that I think that 12 is a better number than eight is because to your point about, 
you know, what does the regular season matter? Or just very specific, what does the game matter at this point between Ohio State and Michigan? Seeding in this playoff is going to be a huge deal because if you're in that first round, you're going to get a home game on your own campus, which is a, you know, in the NFL, who really cares, like, where that game is played? Like, if you're playing somewhere notoriously loud, like, arrowhead or seattle or like someone like yeah i mean it can make a difference but like in the end like these like if you're in the nfl the talent level the talent levels are all way too similar for something like that to make a huge difference in college football though we see it on a weekly basis how big of an impact being at home plays so you know as far as you know games like that not matter and saying oh well now we have to go play at clemson instead like whatever who can no that's a big deal like you have to now go play in at clemson's you know home stadium to advance in the playoff like that's a big deal um so yeah i, I guess like that that's kind of where i'll start like your your whole point on like the passion like it to me in in a very you know if we're talking very specifically about like Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan are like is Penn State's annual game against Ohio State now diminished a bit? Yes. Is yes. <clears throat> is Ohio State and Michigan now diminished a bit? Yes, absolutely. But for me, the trade-off of saying these games matter a little bit less other than seeding, which again, I think is going to be massively important in the college football playoff, though to have those games matter a little bit less to have like 20 more games every single week matter impossibly much more like that is a trade-off i'm willing to make every single time just as a lover of college football and and to take off the penn state you know colored glasses for a second just as, as a lover of college football to have all of those games be so incredibly important um like that means a ton for me like as a fan like that that is a huge huge factor for me um but I, I think the other thing for me is that, and not to say that, um, not to say that you're necessarily one of these people, but I think there's there are a fair number of people out there. I think a lot of the people who are um, against this move are probably the same people who are going to who were against the playoff in the first place, right? Do you think that's fair to say? I, I guess I was very pro playoff when it first happened, um, because I think it needed to go to go to that. Like I think it was necessary to expand it, but I, I do agree with sure. that majority of people um, who said the playoff would ruin college football and it's four team format are saying the same thing now. Yes. Right. So let's put ourselves back in the BCS timeframe. Then when you were, you know, playing to hopefully be one of those top two teams and be in the championship game. But if not like Rose bowl, Fiesta bowl, orange bowl, like those, those were all like, that was a significant accomplishment to make it to one of those new year six bowls or one of those top tier Mm -hmm. bowls moving this to 12 teams makes it more similar to that system than it was with four teams because right now with four teams it's like if you're not one of the four teams like we saw it last year to a greater degree than we had ever seen before if you are not if you are a player with nfl aspirations and you're not in that playoff the chances of you opting out of your bowl game was probably like 85 percent or higher right like it was just not not something they did but if you're talking now 12 teams now and you're saying like 12 teams is too much, there are six New Year's Six Bowls and that means 12 teams. So like that, it's it's really the same number that has been the focus of the the upper end of the 
you know, ultimate prizes of college football for the majority of its history, it's the, still the same number. It just looks different now. And now you're introducing the chance for those teams to continue their seasons. And like, I, I feel like one of the other arguments that we hear is, oh, well, like, are you telling me you really want to watch like Alabama play Tulane and have Alabama win 49 to 22 in Tuscaloosa? Sure, that, that that very well could happen. It probably will happen multiple times. But is that not like is the trade off of saying I don't want to watch that? Isn't it worth it to say? But what if Tulane beats Alabama in that game? Like, is that not like on on Bama's home turf? Like, is that not a worthy trade off? Like, I think that is I, I think the, the chance of that happening. And again, very similar to the NFL, right? It's like when a the seven seed or the six seed goes on a run and tears through all these other teams they were weren't supposed to have any business of beating but like for me it, it's it's making it's bringing college football back to the format that it was pre-playoff but adding all the best elements of playoff systems into it yeah i mean i'm definitely even since last night when when our slack got in an argument over this i i've shifted <laughs> a little bit and th- there's two things i want to address in that the play, making the playoff has been the entire goal for Penn State football for the entirety of my adult life. So it's very hard for me right now to wrap my head around the goalpost moving now to where all I've wanted my entire adult life has been for Penn State to make the playoff. And once this happens, the goal is now going to be to win multiple playoff games is now what I have to learn that it's going to shift to. So like, that's something that I have to reckon with just like me, Matt Filipovitz, the person in that the goalpost is moved now. Like I have to deprogram myself from making the playoff is the goal to now making the playoff for Penn state is the expectation. And like, that's something that I think is really hard for me to wrap my head around right now. Um, and the other thing is, and this is so stupid and not, I know I'm just going to sound like an idiot. I want them to make it at four. I want them to join Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State as programs that can say when it was the hardest thing to do in college football, we went out there and we did it and we made the four-team playoff. That is stupidly incredibly important to me because if you look at that tier of of college football that Penn State wants to be on, Penn State is probably the only school that never made the playoff, right? You think that, especially if USC makes it this year, like Oklahoma did it, USC did it, or is probably going to do it. Florida State did it. I believe they are the team that if you, if the, if it had been a 12 team playoff all along, I believe that is, it is the team that would have made it the most often that did not actually make it. I believe so you, is where they are. Like Penn State is the like ugly stepchild that just could never get over that hump and getting over that hump has been such like a core part of my identity as a Penn state fan for the better part of a decade. And the fact that when they finally do the make the playoff thing that we've all been so focused on just because they expanded it, that just feels like loser energy to me. Like, and it, listen, like I, I get it. Like expanded playoff means more money for advertisers. And in theory, you know, people, people like being able to, stay engaged. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the point of this all is to win national titles. Um, again, because Akron and Alabama play for the same title technically. Um, but I, I just want to make it at four. Like I just want Penn state to be seen in the same light as those programs were chasing. And if it expands to 12, it's now going to be cool. You made the playoff. Like, okay. Like that wasn't that hard. And, and again, I think making the playoff 
should be the hardest thing you can do in college football. And I don't like that it's now becoming infinitely easier for a program like Penn State. So that's that's what I'll leave. So I, I think that I actually I think that I understand your wavelength here more than probably ninety-eight percent of Penn State fans because I'm a Seattle Mariners fan. And while the Mariners were not the final wild card this year, their you know, the the circumstances that led to them ending their playoff drought. The fact that a third wild card spot was added this year certainly played a factor into it. Again, they didn't; they weren't that last wild card. They ended up getting the second wild card, but you know, just the way that the season played out, and you know, who gets eliminated when, it definitely played a factor in that. So, I very, very much understand. Like during that whole stretch run for the Mariners, I was saying, please God, don't be, don't be that last wild card spot, because then it will forever be hanging over me that the drought ended because the system changed. So I very, very, very much understand that. But I think the big difference between that situation and this one is that four four teams, four college football teams in a system of, I don't even know how many we're at now, 131. 131. It's not just that the number of teams that can qualify is such a statistically tiny number compared to the teams in the field. It's the fact that so much of it can be outside of your control. Like, obviously, you win all your games, you're in if you're Penn State. Like, it's easy to say, well, it's in your control in that regard. Like, that's fine. But, like, but you just think back to 2016. Like, like, is it fair? Is is it fair that Washington, and if we're really going to get granular about it, like, I think Ohio State should have been the team that didn't make it in lieu of Penn State. If we're going to, dig up the 2016 but like think about washington did not washington didn't play anybody that year they won their games to their credit but their schedule was so much softer than what penn state had to deal with and penn state went on and went to beat the number two team in the country in ohio state like to me like this is like that's not an equivalency with what the mariners or mlb teams do because there is an inherent disadvantage baked into the way that things are aligned. Now, like, could you be a baseball fan and say, oh, well, or to, I'll keep it on the Mariners. Could I be a Mariners fan and say, hey, well, there's an inherent advantage that we're in the same division as the Astros? Sure. But the wild card is, it literally just comes down to your record. It's, it's just win loss, nothing else. Whereas here in college football, it's coming down to 12 people in a room deciding what they think is right and wrong like there there's just inherent disadvantages here baked in if you're penn state when you have michigan and ohio state in your division and one misstep michigan state had those they did they did i'm not saying that michigan state did great things in order to well they they did great things and got very lucky at the same time in order to in order to get over that hump but when you when it's not a level playing because it's not it's not a level playing field like nine times out of it's not supposed to be that's not what college football is i'm I'm gonna give like no it shouldn't be like this isn't the nfl this isn't if you ever lose if in my opinion if you don't make the playoffs in the nfl that's just like incredible loser energy you have the same amount of resources as everybody else like win your games figure it out like college football to me is representative of america like it's unfair people have more money the teams that have more money win more that's what makes upsets possible like that's what makes it so cool when 
Appalachian State goes to beat Texas A&M. Like that can never be replicated in a fair system. And that's the beauty of it all. And I'm going to give a take that will probably get me canceled by Penn State fans. Okay. (laughs) I would have been really into it if they made it in 2016. They lost twice. They did not deserve to go Mm -hmm. to the playoff in 2016. That game against Pitt matters exactly the same as that final game against Michigan State. I get that they got better. But you play 12, all 12 matter the exact same. Like, I get that they got better. They still lost to Pitt. Game two isn't any more or less important than game 12. Like, if they wanted to go to the playoff in 16, don't lose to Pitt. I'm sorry. I was at that Pitt game. It was one of the worst days of my life. Um, but I, I don't think that in the current model, Penn State should have gone. Don't lose twice. Like, if you want to make it in this model, win your games. Like, find a way. I don't disagree with that point. I don't. Like, it, it's... The objective is it's right there. It's win, win them all, and and you're in. You're good. You go. But I disagree with the premise that it. <clears throat> I disagree with the premise that it shouldn't be fair. Now, I, not to say that like your your broader point, I, I agree with. Like they're like I'm not saying that I want Alabama and Akron to have the same exact. Like I don't want this to become like socialist college football. Like I don't want this to be. <laughs> Um, <laughs> utopian football like I don't want it to be like okay Alabama you get two of the five-star recruits Akron you get two of the five-star recruits like that's not that's not what I want that's not what I'm saying I want but if we're talking about like the ability like the selection process and the ability to qualify for this significant event in this case being the college football playoff and you're telling me that as Penn State you have to navigate your schedule with Ohio State and Michigan every year and then you're telling me you can be, you know, you can be USC. Let's say USC now, and you know, and not a, this is a this is a good year for the Pac-12. So that's it's not. I'm not saying this argument about this year. Like I think the winner of the Pac-12 is. Let's go TCU then. Sure, sure, TCU, because the Big Twelve was not great this year. Like I, I don't think the accomplishments of those two teams. Like one, how do you, how can you possibly like like what if Penn State was uh, eleven and one? And their loss came to Michigan. Let's say they're in Ohio State shoes. Like to me now, like having to compare two teams that you haven't seen play head to head, all you have, all you can go on is their record. Like why, why, how, how can you definitively say that? T- and let's leave Penn State out. Let's just make it Ohio State. Mm-hmm. How can you definitively say that TCU is a better team than Ohio State? You can't. You know, which I get. I, I get that you can. I get there's reasons why you can't. But for me, if I am if I am designing a playoff or I'm watching a playoff play out, if there is an opportunity to settle some of these debates and you know go back to the whole TCU and Baylor fiasco of being left out back in uh, 2014, 14. I believe it was. Yeah, like if there's a way to get around that and there's a way to just let these teams play it out as a lover of college football, I just I would rather I would rather see that then have a room full of 12 people decide those matchups. I mean, the point of playoffs isn't for the best team to win. It's to create an intriguing tournament. Like, that's all playoffs right. are. Right. Like, look at the NFL. Like, if the NFL went by seeding, like, the NFC South wouldn't get anybody in. But they get to send somebody. Like, the, the TCU won their games. Congratulations. Here's a playoff spot. Like, it's that simple for me. Like, the point of this isn't to get the best four teams in. It's to who had the four best seasons. I think that's a better way to look at it. 
Like TCU beat everybody. But that's on their not schedule. what they do, though. But but that's that, not that's but that what they have, what that committee and what the college football the system is laid out to be in the way it's described and the way that they carry themselves is that they are trying to find the four best teams not the four most accomplished teams that's that's really that's my issue with the committee in general Ooh. is because one they don't they they don't know what they're doing like right like they 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 change they their don't. criteria every week yes yeah the committee's not a well-run group of people i will never you'll never catch and, me defending and doing and making this move making this move to 12 lessens the need for them to be anything it's just going to happen with teams 13 and 14 now as opposed to teams 5 and 6. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I mean there's no there's no way to avoid it in a sport with 131 teams obviously. Like there's going it's it is going to be a thing. But when you are letting when you when your system has 12 teams in, like if you're Baylor, let's let's use Baylor. Is Baylor do they ever end up making a playoff? I don't think so. Never made a playoff. Yeah. So, if you're Baylor, you like you are forever looking back at 2014 and saying why did we never get our shot? But if you're in a system with 12 teams now, if you can't make it back up to the top 12 again, that's a very, like you can very easily now say like, like if you can't get back to that threshold, maybe you really didn't deserve it that time. Like for me, that's a lot less harsh than what Baylor is dealing with now. I mean, window programs. That's the whole thing. I'm you're going to, people are going to, are going to get so annoyed with me calling this a window year and Penn state, a window program (laughs) and whatever. I know it's already growing tiresome. Um, Baylor's a window program. Sorry, you missed your window. Like, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not going to feel bad because you lost the game. Just win your games and and you get there. Like, and, and again, I I will totally change my tone and I am fine. You know, looking like an idiot when I love the playoff in two years. I'm told I don't care that much like about looking wrong. Like, we're recording this podcast on December first, 2022. So I'm going to say how I feel about this on December first, 2022. Um, and I don't want Penn State to be a program that can say, wow, we made the playoff. And then for these teams that we're chasing to say, yeah, but the 12 team one, like the, the, I, the four team one is what I've been conditioned to hope for in a season for just about a decade. And moving the goalpost, I think is just something I'm not ready to wrap my head around. And I want to make it at four. If they make it at four next year, I don't care anymore. Penn State proved they can make it when it's the hardest thing to do, expand to 12. Like, my take is a very uniquely, I think, Penn State thing because, like you said, Penn State is that team that has won the most games or been the closest and never made it. And that's a that's a shitty place to exist in for a college football program. And I want to see them be able to get over that hump before that hump becomes uh, barely a speed bump. I think the, I'll, I'll respond to that, and then I think we can probably cut it off there for the playoff discussion for today. We don't, but, we don't want to do um, this for another hour because I could keep going. <laughs> um, I think my my counter argument to that would be um, again, like like I explained before, I totally understand the not. I, I totally understand wanting to make it before it changes. The whole Mariners analogy, yada yada. In the end, though, like let's fast forward six seven years. All that I care about as a Penn State fan, you know, college football fan in general, I care about the health of the sport. But for Penn State, all I care about is that Penn State is able to continue improving and continue continuing to climb towards the truly, truly, truly upper, upper elite echelon of college football. And making the playoff is going to do that. Because once you're in the playoff, you can't win the playoff if you're not in the playoff. And I get that. I Like I said, I get the point. 
that you're making with the wanting to make it with four. But I, six, seven years from now, personally, I I don't care. I'm not going to care if they look back, if like some Ohio State fans talking smack to me and says, oh, well, you never made it when it was four. I don't care. All I care about is whether we beat you this year in the playoff. Like it is, I, I, and you, you've said as much that you'll, you, you know, you'll naturally adjust to it just like everybody will. Everybody yes. on every side of this argument is going to adjust to what the reality is going to be regardless of their feelings now. But for me, like I, I get the sentiment, but you fast forward a few years, give me like if, if Penn state's making the playoff or in position to make the playoff every year, Will I look back on the years where we had four teams and been like, oh, like, well, I still look back on 2016, 2017 and say, man, I, re- I really wish we had made it that year. Absolutely, I will. Of course I will. I think everybody will. But I just don't think that is going to matter to anybody after the four-team system is gone. Like, once we go to 12, that's all that's going to matter. Um, yeah, I, and, I, and I do know. I, I, like, I understand the like, I know the sentiment, my opinion but... now doesn't matter because it's going to change in, in five years. Right. And, you know, 10 years from now, maybe less, we'll have the same debate about whether 12 was better or 20 is better. And we'll, we'll do this all over again. Yep. Um, I yeah. think I think the one thing, and neither of us is going to really do much to change each other's minds here. That's not the goal here. But um, no. I think the one thing we can definitely, definitely agree on is that it is very cool to get confirmation that the first round games will be home games for each school yes. that's awesome i'm a bit nervous for that's Beaver gonna be Stadium's really cool. plumbing i'm a bit nervous for Beaver yeah Stadium's yeah plumbing. well we'll see i pat patcraft has patcraft has been um on the record saying that they will make sure beaver stadium is able to host such a game because i you know there's no way that penn state fans would be happy to have that game gone and played in indianapolis or pittsburgh or philadelphia or wherever they would move it to there's no way they're gonna let that happen um did i ever tell the story on the podcast about uh the the bathrooms uh for the penn state maryland game in 2018 did i ever tell you that story nick i'm not sure i don't think so so i I was in the press box for penn state maryland 2018 it was my last game uh, as a student reporter for the blog and (laughs) the pipes in the press box froze so if you wanted to go to the bathroom you had to go down to the main concourse and you could either wait for the elevator but everybody waited until halftime so you had to wait then <laughs> for the coaches to come from the box above you before they let you on or you could brave the wind tunnel that is the stairwell <laughs> so <laughs> i tried to brave the stairs and some maryland like student reporter turned to me and he goes is this place always this terrible and i just started dying laughing <laughs> I was like, yeah, so they got a lot. That's always five years ago at this point. So I hope they can fix it uh, in the next couple of years. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, knowing the Penn State press box, it's probably still exactly the same. But oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I think that about de- we've gone for over an hour now talking. To, I mean, a lot of interesting things to talk about. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But what's our next uh, what's our next debate episode going to be? Is it can it be uh, what's the best 10 win season under Franklin? Because I think you and I disagree on this, too. Ooh, that could be a good one. Yeah, that that's we can we can make that a running a uh, a running theme this off season. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, don't know why my dog. Let's agree. We can make that Let's a running agrees. theme. Yeah. Just have. Yeah, we can have uh, our our favorite Penn State disagreement debates. That's a good one. Um, yeah. but I think that's going to do it for tonight. We're like I said, we're going to have you know plenty to talk about in the coming days, weeks, um, in just a couple days time. Now, once conference championships. Uh, wrap up we should have a final verdict on where penn state will be playing its bowl game again most likely going to be the rose bowl but you know who knows crazy th- crazier things have happened uh, we'll c- 
continue to be back here talking about the portal, talking about recruiting. We'll get Ryan Snyder back on for recruiting podcast sometime soon, maybe a portal podcast as well. Uh, could be interesting stuff to talk about there. But Matt, any final thoughts on anything we've talked about tonight? Um, J1 Snyder's tweeting, um, uh, we rolling deep tonight to Florida um, and then tagged a bunch mm. of the assistant coaches. Um, so I don't know if that means some good news is coming, uh, probably the second after we hit stop. Uh, so be on the lookout for maybe some good stuff coming in the uh, recruiting pipeline here in the next couple it, hours, couple days. It could be. I, that could also be referenced that I believe all the coaches are on the trail right now, though, too. So they could just be he he could be with a couple other guys down. Although it's 930 now. So, man, kind of a little kind of a little late for a tweet like that. But yeah, or they could be on their way, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I yep. fully expect Daniel Harris to commit the second we hit stop on this podcast, which is fine. Yep. You know, it's fine. We'll talk about it next time. Um but if you are listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're already subscribed wherever you're listening to. But if you're not, please be sure to hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. If you're watching us on YouTube, please make sure to subscribe and hit that bell to get the alerts to know when we send new videos live. Hopefully next time we try a live video, which we did attempt here today, uh, it didn't go very well. Hopefully next time we do that, it goes a little bit better. Um, but, you know, as always, thanks everyone for watching and listening. Uh, visit Homefield, use that code ROARLINESROAR, all caps, all one word at checkout for 15% off of your first order. But that's going to do it here tonight for us at Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Nick Pollock, for my co-host, Matt Flipovitz. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Go State. Go State.